0: these plants are not showing you anything that is unable to be accessed already inside of you. They're showing you what is possible past whatever limitations, programs, patterns, limiting beliefs are currently residing within you that are not uh, allowing you to access these states of awareness. And so when you take your power back, you're putting your power into the equation of the plant. You're having a synergistic relationship with the plant. And so what this looks like is a combination of intention and ceremony.
1: You are listening to The Medicine Podcast. I am Mimi.
2: What is up everybody? This is Chase. So long story short, we were childhood sweethearts turned husband and wife in our early 20s. Despite following the mainstream script for happiness, we actually divorced for three years.
1: Only to later reunite as soulmates with a brand new outlook on love, God, health, and the real medicines of the universe. If you find yourself wondering, is there more to this life, to health, to God, to love?
2: Then you are in the exact right place. Consider this your bridge to expansion for body, mind, and relationships. We are uncovering and discovering with you.
1: Let's go take the medicine. Hello, hello, audio friends. Welcome to The Medicine Podcast. This is episode 131. We are so grateful that you are here spending some time with all of us today. Y'all are about to hear an epic conversation with an incredible human. As a cultivator and teacher, Ryan Sprague is a world-class cannabis expert. Through cannabis, he has been able to engage with thousands of people worldwide, teaching them the language of cannabis. Through medicinal experiences and ceremonies, Ryan has used cannabis to create spiritual, mental, and physical breakthroughs in hundreds of people. Cannabis is more popular and available than ever, but there are no guides on how to properly implement its use to improve our lives, conquer our fears, and crush our goals. A good majority of people are either using it to numb out or escape life, or they're on the opposite end of the spectrum, maybe still viewing cannabis as a stoner drug that just makes you lazy. <laughs> Wherever you fall in this spectrum, Ryan offers so much unique insight in this conversation. I've never heard anyone speak about cannabis the way that he does. We discuss what transformed him from a just say no to drugs kid to teaching people all over the world about cannabis, the energetics and healing properties of cannabis, how to engage in proper intention and ceremony. Then we get into the logistics of use, including what to avoid, how to find the right strain for you, growing with biogeometry, and even how to grow your own, if you like. We learned so much from this conversation. I haven't told Ryan this, but I decided that his spirit animal is a golden retriever. He's incredibly intelligent, emotionally evolved, and just really really happy to see you transmitting joy to everyone he comes into contact with he is truly one of our favorite humans and his laugh and smile is absolutely contagious we came away from this discussion totally re-inspired to create even more intention and consciousness in our use of all different types of medicine and we're confident that you will be too if you enjoy this conversation, make sure you're following Ryan on Instagram. He is at the real Ryan Sprague. You can send him a DM and let him know you listened. He loves interacting with people on Instagram. He also has two podcasts you can check out, Highly Optimized, which Chase and I had the pleasure of being guests on, and the other is called This One Time on Psychedelics. All the links to his website and courses will, of course, be in the show notes as well. All right. Enjoy, my loves. Welcome back to The Medicine Podcast, you guys. My name is Mimi, and I have my love, my king in this life, and all others with me here.
2: (laughs) What is going on, everybody? Oh, my word. We are so soaked. One of our best homies. Uh, We've only known him for a couple years, but it's really been multiple lifetimes. On the show today, on The Medicine Podcast, Ryan Sprague, welcome to The Medicine, my man. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here with you guys.
0: You know, when I first found out about you guys and first met you, you know, I remember we were in Paul Check's Mandala Workshop and you guys started mentioning your podcast and that it was called The Medicine. And I was like, whoever these guys are, I need to know them. <laughs> so it's amazing that this has manifested now and come to fruition. I'm so excited to be here.
1: Yeah, it's perfect. You know, we we talk about, as you know, and as our listeners know, maybe not if this is your first time listening to us, but we like to talk about all of the quote unquote fringe, maybe medicines that have maybe been misunderstood or not leaned into in the right way or just avoided altogether. And this topic definitely, you know, really touches on all of those things. Um, We all, I feel like have our own connotations. We have our own ideas about cannabis. And really, you know, today we wanted to provide uh, some education for our listeners. And we haven't really talked about cannabis at all. We've mentioned it here and there that we interact with it, Um, but we haven't really spent a good amount of time on it. And uh, we knew that you were the perfect person to educate our listeners and really dive into the good stuff, the deep stuff and peel back mm. some layers on this plant medicine.
0: Yeah, you know I'm so excited because cannabis I really feel is the world's most misunderstood plant medicine and yet it's also the most widely used. It's the most widely available. It's the most uh, it's the least stigmatized even though it is still very stigmatized. It's able to be done in someone's living room. You don't need to trip to the jungle. And when ayahuasca and all these plant medicines that are truly incredible, right, can be truly incredible, are getting more popular, you know, what I see is that a lot of people are diving f- head headfirst into these experiences and not really knowing what they're going to get into, where something like cannabis can be almost... baby step right and i don't mean that cannabis cannot be very overwhelming and strong if done in big amounts but at the same time it's a little bit easier to titrate your dose you can do it in the comfort of your own home so you're more comfortable and you can start to kind of understand what the world of psychedelics has to offer before diving right into say an ayahuasca journey or something like that and and personally you know cannabis is my main plant medicine because It allows me to just pass the threshold of normal waking consciousness. So my feet are still very on the ground, but my head can elevate into the clouds. Mm. And so I'm able to pull things, you know, new downloads, you know, awarenesses, things like this from whether you want to call your higher self, you know, the plant, et cetera, that then I'm able to integrate while I'm still in the experience where when I'm doing heavy doses of mushrooms, or I've done peyote or five MEO DMT, it takes a while to have your feet hit the ground and then go, what the hell does that experience actually (laughs) mean for my life? (laughs) Right. (laughs) And, and not even to mention the fact that many people getting into psychedelics think integration is an optional thing, right? Which like, you're not integrating, you're using a substance, you're not using a medicine. And I'm not saying that one is better than the other. I'm not judging anyone for doing that, but it's just important to know that distinction. Like if you want to interact with these plants, including cannabis as a medicine and a teacher, then you must integrate because it's essentially... I don't like to think of it this way, but think of it like homework. Like if you're not doing your homework, then you're not going to be able to get the good grades in the test, right? And the test being life in general and your experience of it and your fulfillment in it and everything like that. So I, I love chatting about cannabis because it truly is the people's plant, right? It's here to help us. And it's the most available. Like I said, it's a, it's everywhere these days. Um, you know, it's it's kind of like the in thing now. And when any whenever anything has been bastardized for so long, and then in a very quick amount of time becomes like... A hot thing to do, and now celebrities are getting into it. There opens up this um, this challenge, right, where a lot of people are getting in uh, over their heads, even with cannabis. And so, my intention is to always provide the education. In a fun way that allows anyone, regardless of how long they've been interacting with cannabis or what they know this plant to be up until this point, to be able to gain some new insight that allows them to have a better experience with the plant, a better relationship with uh, not only the plant but themselves, and allow them to actually use these plants or this plant rather, for what it's meant to do in, in my belief, which is help your experience of life be more great and grand in nature, and allow you to remember who and what you truly are. As good oh, out of oh, the
2: informant, you know? I love that. Wow. We could just yeah. like let you just yeah. go. Just like you just channel. Yes. But uh you know, we, energy. You are, yeah. It. Yeah, right. Um You are the
1: perfect balance and the perfect combination of fun and educational. And I'm so excited to, uh, gift our listeners with your wisdom and education, but first we must start with (laughs) Ryan, the human rather than Ryan, the educator. Um, we love to ask every guest of the medicine. What do you love in your life? What aspect of your life do you love so much that you wish you could gift it to every human?
0: easy connection, connection, networking, collaborating, creation, you know, as a projector uh, in human design, which I'm a huge human design nerd. And as a projector, like we get the most enjoyment out of like, Hey, you need to know this person. Then they meet and we get to see it happen and they become best friends. And we're like, Oh, did we do that? Right. And so (laughs) that is like my ultimate thing that I really feel, you know, this is a great lead in too, because I really feel that you know, We're told a lot in society that we have an epidemic of loneliness, but rea- in reality, loneliness is the result of the actual issue, which is the inability for most people in the world right now to connect deeply to themselves, those they love, and the world at large, because Cause if you're not able to connect with yourself, well, as within, so without, you're not able to connect with the world. And so if there's one thing that like, is my ultimate passion to bring to the world, it's an ability to connect deeper just in yeah. general. Yeah. Oh, that's so
2: perfect. <laughs> you now, are
1: our people. Yeah,
2: no <laughs> yes. doubt. Like you, you exude, you exude the passion for connection and, and even just like, you know, cannabis as a, as a beautiful, uh, symbol of what, you know, connection can actually look like a connection Mm. with yourself first, right? Like Mm -hmm. for me, it's such a critical point in my life. You know, we, when we got divorced, completely separated, I had every chance to be depressed. I literally had every opportunity and chance to be really, really depressed. And, and I actually was saved by cannabis in so many ways. It allowed me to figure, figure out who I am. You know, it it Mm. took down my, my fight or flight and gave me these moments now, you know, being alone for the first time ever in my life to really reflect and and have conversations with a better version of myself. And I wasn't blasting off on cannabis. I was rather just sort of like gently letting my armor down and just looking at who I was internally developing this relationship with a better version of myself, which then just attracts those types of other individuals, other human beings in your life. So I've, I've the utmost gratitude for the power of connection the healing powers of connection, and then cannabis being such a conduit for uh, you, you know that that option. Um, yeah,
0: yeah. Oh, I was going to say. You know, one of the things that I feel and what I choose to believe, and you know, one of the things that I'll say throughout every podcast I go on and every podcast that I record on my two as well is that you know, I choose to believe that I don't know anything, right? And so when I don't know anything, then I'm open minded to everything. And I think that's one of the biggest thirst traps that people get into is they think they need to know things. And that's the point of life. And so what I choose to believe about cannabis and the world in general is that what the world needs more than ever right now is more feminine energy, and it's starting to happen. And uh, cannabis being a feminine plant like you just perfectly illustrated, it allows, especially men, but everyone too, because obviously women have a masculine side too, that's very dominant these days to live in a masculine world, is it allows their armor to come down. And when your armor comes down, you stop taking yourself so seriously. Yeah. And when you stop taking yourself so seriously, everything becomes funny. And like a perfect example of this was, you know, I interact with cannabis on weekends, and we can get into, you know, dependency and uh, frequency of use and those things if you guys want to, but I was interacting with cannabis this last weekend. And it was uh, in the daytime, I had nothing to do on a Sunday. So I was like, Okay, cool. So Rachel was gone. So I connect with some cannabis. And usually when I connect with cannabis, I'm with her. And so I was alone, I connect with cannabis. And I start noticing this pull this like, I need to clean my room, I need to do these things, right. And so So I start doing that and I realize right away what I'm doing, but I'm like, let me just, let me just play this out and see what happens. Right. Where normally if my armor was up, I'd be like, why am I in a cycle of doing, why can't I be, I'd be taking myself so seriously, there must be something wrong with me. But instead I was kind of in the observer point of view. And I was like, let me just see where this goes. Right. And so I'm picking up my house, right? I'm, I'm walking around, I'm picking things up from one counter while I'm thinking about these amazing downloads. I'm putting them down on another counter. And after about 30 minutes, I realized that I haven't cleaned anything. I've just been rearranging oh where, the, <laughs> where the things in my room that I meant to pick up are. And I started laughing hysterically and having this conversation of like, look at you, who does this, right? Who interacts with cannabis and then goes wandering around, just picking things up and putting them down in different places. And it was funny and it taught me a lot about myself, which was, in the past, I've been very like, like mean to myself in a lot of ways, right. And and taking myself so seriously that everything is like a World War issue right in my life. And so when I was able to do that, that's a perfect way of you know, I was able to see in that moment, like, Oh, wow, like, I have integrated quite a bit of taking myself less seriously. And oh know, wow, let me think about the other areas of my life in which I'm not taking this seriously anymore. And it was just this really funny experience. And so when you mentioned that, you know, you're able to take your armor down, that's exactly one of the things yeah. I teach in the program. And also what I've learned in my own life with cannabis too, is that I think that these days, you know, a lot of people just have these, uh, these, you know, ways of living life that are just not panning out to their greatest and highest good. And one of the ways for me that I've done that is these cycles of doing and not being able to relax and all of these things. And now realizing that when I sit with cannabis, sometimes that still comes up. And now I can laugh at it and realize like, oh, my mm. God, that's actually kind of hilarious. Right. And so, yeah, it's, it allows you to take that armor off.
2: Oh, mm. I love that.
1: Yeah. It's so good.
2: Well, I want to go back to something, you, you know, you mentioned like, oh, I don't have any, you know, very specific opinions or, or views on something, but mm-hmm. we're going to ask you about your opinions and, and your <laughs> yeah, views, <please>. you know, <laughs> I, can I would, <laughs> I would love, I would love to know, like, what are your, what are your views on, on God? What are your views on the divine? Do you subscribe mm-hmm. to any, you know, epistemology, any religious practice, um, or something that you would identify as kind of your, your, you know, metaphysical worldview? Oh, you guys ask great questions. Like, this is all I ever want to talk about.
0: So <laughs> I would love to go into this. So um, I've had many different experiences. And what I do know is that I don't know, but I choose to believe certain things at this time, fully giving way to the fact that tomorrow I might learn something that strikes truer with me, right? And so what I choose to believe right now is that why we are here in this you know, dense reality of 3D reality is it's one of the most challenging schools in the universe, right? And, you know, uh, whether you believe in, you know, the matrix or whatever you want to call it, right, we have this, you know, collective uh, set of rules, that is pretty challenging, right? And we've also been disempowered for generations, you know, um, if you look back to certain doctrines, it happened about 13,000 years ago, when the fall of Atlantis happened. And so, um, and a lot of the stuff I'm going to say might some people might be like, wow, that's out there. But you know, again, just use your imagination, right? And so, So when we fell from, you know, the Bible says fell from grace, all these kind of things, we fell into a lower density of uh, reality. And so since then, we've forgotten kind of who and what we truly are, which is everything, right? Whether you want to call it God, source, creation, whatever you want to call it you know, we are that source of everything, and it resides within us. And so therefore, all we all our mission is here, I believe is to remember that and to remember that notion, and not only to remember it, but to realize it, because knowing it, like being able to recite it and go, yeah, like I know, I'm, I am I know, I'm God, I know, I'm source, whatever you want to call it. And then realizing like, oh, I am God, I am source, right? Those are two different types of things. And so I'm part of the modern mystery school. And part of their whole thing is that, you know, they don't believe in reincarnation. Now, I'm not exactly sure where I sit in this um, in terms of if I believe in reincarnation or not, but, but they essentially have a very similar belief system that we're here to spiritually develop ourselves into remembering that we are God. And the way that they put it is that um, our cloud of intelligence, which is what they call, uh, what I would, you know, synonymize with pure consciousness, met an Elohim, which is a God, not the God with a capital G, but like God with a lowercase g, met this Elohim, who was creating universes and doing this stuff. And we were like, wow, we wanna be like you. And he was like, well, all of you are none of you. And so uh, basically our cloud of intelligence got together and was like, all right, let's do this. And so then we, got, we had to have a soul, right? And we had to have emotions where other beings on this planet, like elemental beings, whether you believe in dwarves, fairies, all those things, elementals, basically, they don't have a soul because their mission is not to become like God, but to become like God, we need to distinguish between good and evil. And so we need emotions to do that. Because as you guys know, someone might say, Hey, you guys are awesome to your face, but we need to feel like, are they really feeling that? Are they just saying that to us? And so a lot of things might seem good, but we need to be able to distinguish from an inner awareness if that's actually good or bad. And we know that one of the big challenges right now is that most of us in society, especially Western societies are stuck up in our head. And when we're stuck up in our head, we don't have a connection to our intuition, to our clear senses, to all of these things that allow us to better distinguish between good and evil. And so What I choose to believe is that we are here in God, universe, sources, image to remember that we are that. And when we think back to stories of Buddha, Jesus, all these people, they were the people that were able to access Christ consciousness, whatever you want to call it. And those people were our reminders of like, hey, this is what's actually meant, like, this is why we're here. And then what happened was man, you know, kind of, you know, either killed the people or whatever, and then took it over and made it this set of rules where you got to come to this one building and you got to pay us money. And then you might, you know, have these revelations and things like that. But in reality, I think the biggest thirst trap in society is that and through religion is that we need to go somewhere to experience we need something external to to realize this when really everything we need is internal to us and i think that is what separates religion from spirituality spirituality is the belief that you and you alone are the one that's going to figure out your own life and to kind of, you know, expand on that is going to be able to be the one that remembers that you are God. Whereas religion is like, you need an external source or a third party to remember that notion. And so what I choose to believe is that we are here to remember that. And that's really what all of my work in life is meant for, you know, that's why that's the intention, the the broad intention, I go into plant medicines with, that's what I do in my one on one practice with coaching. That's what I do in my programs, my podcasts, how I meet when I meet people, I see them as reflections of me and me as reflections of them. And it's a beautiful way to live life. And, you know, what I say is, once again, like, this is just my way of living life, no one needs to believe it, right? It's just what I found is the most enjoyable for me. But at the same time, like, I want people to do their own research. So please question everything I say. (laughs) That's what I want, because that's what's going to get you to remember that you are God. Because if you just believe what other people say, then you're not really living your experience of life. You're just copying someone else's. And at the end of the day, only you are going to be able to figure out what actually gives you fulfillment, what creates happiness in your life. And that's why I say that I don't know anything. I just choose to believe what I believe in this moment and that's subject to change, you know? So, yeah. Yeah. Wow.
1: <laughs> Bravo. That's, you know, sometimes as, <laughs> as we hold beliefs that can change and flow and flux, you know, maybe with a new book or a new event or a new person that you meet or whatever. And it's like, Hey, that really resonates with me right now. That mm. makes sense. You know, for me right now, it can be hard to encapsulate your beliefs or the things that you hold near to you and to your heart and, and the things that have really changed you, it can be hard to, um, display them or at least just explain them in a way that would, you know, make sense to anyone else. And so great job. I mean, that's, that's, it's hard to do. And, (laughs) and, uh, I, I resonated with a lot of what you said and, and, um, I, the part that resonated most is (laughs) at the end when you said, I don't need anyone else to believe yeah. what I believe. You know, there's no oh, yeah. like convincing or no converting like this is just this is who I am and this is what I believe and um it's you know really it it's benefiting me right now. And uh-huh. uh it, it it's okay if your beliefs are different and I think we need, you know, uh, an injection of that in the world uh these days. Yeah,
2: and I think there's so much value in knowing that it can change or that it could change or that it could evolve. And there's going to be different iterations of this. We experience so much. We learn so much in life through experience. And whether you're studying or practicing something to fully embody it so that you can know it so that you can experience it, I think is such a missed step. We love study. We love memorizing things. We love reading things. But there is such a healthy practice in stepping into the reality of the, of ideas, even if you decide to change later, but to fully understand and empathize with a viewpoint, with a perspective, with a practice a modality. I mean, we do it in health and fitness all the time. Like, Hey, I don't know if carnivore is going to be it for me, but I'm going to give it a shot by stepping fully into it and experiencing it such that I can know it better. And on a deeper level, I think it makes sense in the same way that you view, God or your higher purpose. And, and if you are looking and you're not very, you know, structured and, and set for life, which I don't think any of us should be, mm-hmm. stepping into its full reality right now in this moment and acknowledging that it could change, but being comfortable with what it feels like as reality now is a massive step to learning. Absolutely. And you know, if what I choose to believe, once
0: again, is that we are the creators of our own reality, the law of correspondence and hermetics says as within so without. So everything we're experiencing our external reality is a reflection of what's going on in our internal reality. And so that's why I love telling people like, hey, please don't just believe what I believe unless you do your own research and happen to come to the same understanding. Because if I was coming out and saying to people, yeah, this is the way it is. I know it's this way, right? Well, then the potential is to rob their own creative power to create their own reality. And so that's like, what I tell everyone, if, if, you know, many people don't interact with cannabis, I'm like, that's perfect. If that's good for you, like, that's awesome. Don't interact with cannabis then, right? If you happen to interact with cannabis, cool, like, that's awesome, too. But at the end of the day, like, you know, what I feel people get stuck in is, you know, like I said before, they get stuck in the mind, and they forget what the mind is really meant for. And at least as I see it, which is the mind is a servant of us, it's supposed to be a servant to explore consciousness, but it ends up becoming the objective reality for a lot of people. And so what that looks like is like you were bringing up carnivore. If you are looking to experience carnivore, then you might be able to use your mind to go gain intellect on what carnivore is what the science behind it is, But if you stop there, which is where a lot of people stop, and that's why PhD usually stands for piled higher and deeper, right? Because you're just gaining information without actually having the direct experience of it, right? So if you go like... Intellectualize what carnivore means, then you go experience it and you have these experiences, you're like, Oh, then your mind can be that servant that goes, Oh, we learned about this, this might be yeah. related to that. But what a lot of people do is they're just reading books and listening to the podcast, and they're missing out on experience. And consciousness is meant to experience things. And so if you're only using intellect as like the objective reality where you just need to know everything then at the end of the day, you're not going to know everything, because there's no way to know because we all have different realities. And everyone has a different perception of what reality is. And you're missing out on the part of life that I really believe are meant to be here for, which is to have experiences. Now, at the same time, part of the reason I got so into plant medicines is because and spirituality was because I had my first big mushroom experience, specifically mushrooms, and was like, What the hell did I just experience? And then that that gave me a a, a lead, right? And an intention to go explore these with my intellect and actually start to understand what people are saying about them. Then I'd go have an experience and go, oh, that actually makes sense for what I learned there. But now I have this new thing. Let me go learn about that. And so you see how this kind of works as a slingshot, right? You send it out or a boomerang, you send it out, it comes back. But what a lot of people do is they just stop by learning things and just continue reading books and they get themselves into analysis paralysis. And what I tell people is you don't need another book. You need to go have an experience, you know, because that's how you really... That's how you go from knowing something, AKA being closed off to anything else that counteracts your opinion to actually realizing it, making it real yeah. for the eye. And once you realize something, it doesn't matter if anyone agrees with you, you had the experience. It was real to you. Who cares what anyone else thinks? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, totally. There,
1: there's a liberation there for sure. Yeah. Um, you know, talking, speaking to like, you know, staying open to new ideas and possibilities and experiences. it's so important to be able to hold the option to change your mind from time to time when it feels Mm. right to you. Um, We would love to hear from you. When was the last time you significantly changed your mind about something and what was it? Hey friend, I wanted to change the subject for just a minute to read something really important to you. This is feedback we received from a woman named Kelly, one of our amazing users of Immune Intel AHCC. She says, so I've been taking AHCC for a little bit over a month and my skin has never looked so good. I am 35 and have suffered from hormonal acne since I was a teenager. I thought I would never get rid of my acne. I just had my period and I have absolutely no pimples around my chin or jawline, and my melasma is finally clearing up too. I have tried countless prescription and over-the-counter medications and have seen so many dermatologists with little improvement. Also, I feel like my hormones have balanced out. I am less irritable, as well as less inflammation going on in my body, decreased back pain, and bloating. I'm so glad I came across you on Instagram. Thanks for sharing the knowledge. Okay. Here's one more just cause they light me up so much to share with you. This beauty is staying anonymous. She says, I learned about immune Intel AHCC from you on a podcast. And in four months, it helped clear my persistent high risk HPV that I've had for seven years. I love these two testimonials next to each other because it's a testament to the balancing and normalizing effect that AHCC has in each individual body. One woman was supported with her acne flares and the other had support in clearing her high risk HPV. I am consistently amazed by the power and intelligence of AHCC. To try immune intel for yourself, go to themedicine.com forward slash products, or just check the show notes below. Cheers, my love.
0: Mm, Let me think the last time. I mean, I can think of one big one already, which was cannabis, um, but I'm, you know, just because it's super on brand, I'm looking to see if there's anything that might be a little bit newer because that was a couple of years ago. Let's see. Okay. I know, it's kind well, of a hard,
1: it's kind of a hard question.
0: Yeah, no, it's a beautiful question. And I love it. It's making me think, which is amazing. Um, okay. So here's one thing, this is a smaller thing, but it's worth mentioning because it was recent where, um, you know, I had this, uh, this, this program coming in, right. you want to call that from the mind malware or something like that, that was allowing me to be a little woe is me. Right. Cause I was filling my schedule and you know, all things I love, right, but I kind of had no way to stop how much I was putting on my calendar, I just wanted to fill it up. And so then there was an experience where um there was a Sunday where I could, you know, interact with a low dose of mushrooms with a couple of friends of mine that were visiting from out of town. And I felt the mind like, no, you know, you have things to do, you should be doing these things on the weekend. And so I decided screw it. I'm just going to ignore that voice and just use these mushrooms and connect with them and see what happens. And so we spent a beautiful day walking through the woods, talking, wasn't anything crazy high dose. It was like a gram of mushrooms. And so feet were still on the ground, but I was able to like move past and have these weird experiences. And so when I came out of that, I realized, wow, you know, you really do have to fight for the experience of life you want. Mm-hmm. Right. And what I mean by that is, yeah, like there might've been logical things that were telling me like, Hey, you have work to do in this, but you know what? when you, when you love what you do, there's always going to be things to put in your calendar. But what I was actually craving at that time was something yin, something more inner Mm -hmm. child related, something creative. And so I fought for the experience I wanted and Mm. I wanted it. And so that's what I realized in that moment was you really have to fight for what you want in life, right? Because if you don't, no, one's going to do it for you, right? You're your own best cheerleader. And so being able to have that awareness of like, okay, is this something like in this scenario? It was like, sure, I could have done things, but they weren't like have to get done, right? They were like, it'd be nice to get done, it'd feel amazing for probably like three minutes to be like, (laughs) oh, I worked on the weekend, it felt amazing but what else was I missing out on by doing that? So weighing these things and realizing like, no, that's the experience I want. And it also felt a little bit outside of my comfort zone to let go and do that when I hadn't planned to interact with Mm. the medicine that weekend. And so I was like, it just felt right intuitively. And I was like, I'm gonna fight for that because I'm fighting for the things that feel intuitive to me instead of going only on the logical mind because they both have their place. But at the end of the day, if you let your logical mind run the show, you're going to get into
2: some weird waters really quickly.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh, That's such a
2: great, such a great reminder, you know, especially oh, for yeah. me, it's like m- my ego is constantly whispering in my ear, like, Hey, you're not productive enough. You mm-hmm. don't, you shouldn't walk the beach this morning. You should, you should start work <laughs> right away. Yeah. So yeah. yeah, no, it's such a beautiful reminder. It's
1: like we, what was coming up for me is, you, you know, you're saying we have to fight for our, the experiences that we want to have in life. And I so wholeheartedly agree, but it it oftentimes, it depends on the person, I I guess, and what they have and what their tendencies are, but certainly any achievement-oriented person who has big goals, big dreams, they're going to need to fight for the feminine and fight for the inner child. You don't always have to fight to get stuff done because we're driven mother effers and that stuff is always there. And we're always going to feel that we don't really need to fight to get things done. We actually need to maybe fight. Isn't the right word, but like, advocate advocate for our inner feminine that wants to flow and be creative and be free and the inner child which is the ultimate feminine right like whatever they need they need play and so it's like you know it doesn't seem like we need to advocate or fight as much for the masculine (laughs) it's like you're you're strong enough my guy yes (laughs) Yes.
0: and that's like actually I'm glad you brought that up because I'm a big language nerd right so the reason that I chose fight which is an easy word to change out was because it allowed that masculine part of me that was looking to dominate me in that yeah. moment to be like, I have a mission. I can go fight this. I'm yeah. like, yeah, go fight that, <laughs> yeah. man. You know? And then the masculine could kind of like screw off for a little while and allow me to be in the feminine. The masculine could still be like, we we fought today. I'm yeah. like, yeah, sure you <laughs> did, buddy. You did great. It was amazing. You, you know? won
1: the fight. Right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And totally. so it's
0: kind of like, I use a lot of tricks of language like that with my own being. So if I know it's my feminine, then I'll choose words like love, connect, compassion, Mm, joy, things like that. If it's my masculine that might be running amok, it might be like, okay, we need to go fight for this. And the masculine's like, we have a mission. I'm like, yeah, man, you got a mission. Go do it, right? (laughs) And so so it's this funny way to kind of like, it's almost like, you know, if your dog's at your feet and he won't leave you alone, you
2: throw a ball and he's like, no, nah, I got something to do. And you're like, yeah. all right, I got some peace for a little bit. Right. Yeah, it's just totally. Like that. <laughs> that, I love that. I'm definitely stealing that for my life. That's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, let's jump into cannabis, man. Um, yeah. we'd love to hear a little bit about your history with mm-hmm. cannabis and then what you're doing today, like in the world, in the 3d world business sense, what you're doing today with cannabis. Yeah, I love this question. Because, you know, for a lot of people, you know,
0: I, I find a couple different groups, some people that are like, wow, that's amazing, you do cannabis, And some people like why cannabis, And then some people like, why are you interacting with cannabis this way? Right? Why are you the person that's connecting and teaching cannabis this way? And so my intention with what I'm about to tell with my origin story is that it will answer pretty much any person's uh, questions that they have, depending on what group they're in. And so, I was a just say no kid, right? I was using the Nancy Reagan approach for years. Wow, and I, watched, I would yeah. not
1: guess that.
0: <laughs> I know, right? I did a full 180. And so, and so, uh, you know, for, for a long time, I watched friends doing it from the age of 12 up to about 16. And I just saw what they were doing. And it didn't, it wasn't attractive to me, right? Because they were numbing out, they were just using it unconsciously, you know, they were using it very immaturely. And I say immaturely, not in the sense that all unconscious use is meant to be immature, but they were like 14. So let's just picture 14-year-olds using cannabis. It's not going to be that, you know, conscious or mature. And so when I was 16, I started experiencing some uh, severe mental challenges with anxiety. And so I went to my doctor after like a while of suffering with it and he prescribed me these pharmaceuticals and one after the other, they just didn't work. And not only did they not work, they actually like uh, were a detriment where they disconnected me from myself more and more. And I wouldn't have used that language then, but now that I'm older, I can say that like what they were doing was disconnecting me from myself. And so I'd go back, I'd have, he'd be like, this one's going to work. And I'd be like, okay, this is great. I'd get my hopes up. I'd go home. I'd try it same numbed out dead feeling inside like a lobotomy patient. And so I started wondering, like, is this the way I'm going to feel the rest of my life? And I started to have this like real big dark night of the soul at a pretty early age, because I was like, watching all of my friends who seemingly didn't have anxiety. But at the same time, I didn't know that was just my mind was telling me, look at all these people that are perfect and not broken, right? And I'm broken and all of these things that the mind says. And so as a last ditch effort, you know, after the last pharmaceutical that pretty much was available to me, uh, didn't work. You know, I was talking to a friend one day, and he was like, Hey, man, you know, have you ever tried like smoking weed, right? At that time, I wasn't going to say cannabis, but he's like, "Have you ever tried smoking weed, it helps me with my anxiety. And I was like, what? Like, you know, because at that point, I knew cannabis to kind of be just like this, this lazy stoner archetype, you know, medicine, you know, or drug at that point. And so, but I was I was at my point where I was like, Alright, you know what, I'll give it a try. I'll try anything. And so I tried it and the it took like, I think one or two times to, it helped each time. But the first couple of times I was like, what is it, what am I even feeling? Cause you know, it takes a couple of times when you try a new medicine to actually even connect with like what you're feeling, the sensations, the experience itself. But I remember like the, either my second or third time. I interacted with it. And it really like what I would use now as language is connected me to myself. I started gaining awareness, I started being in the observer point of view, where I was able to watch these negative thoughts go by and realize, Oh, my God, I'm not these thoughts, right? So if I'm not the thoughts, then who am I, which started a huge, you know, Mm -hmm. existential, uh, you know, uh, issue, and, and, you know, and really big opportunity, actually existential opportunity. And so, when I was realizing this, I realized, wow, okay, so I'm not these thoughts. So therefore, they're not real. They're not who I am. So that started helping me a lot. And I started connecting more and more with cannabis. And so I thought, wow, this is amazing. I figured it out. This plant's incredible. Look at its ability to, as I would say it today, connect me to myself at that time it would be like, relieve my anxiety. And so I thought I've got cannabis figured out. And so around that same time, um, I was now around... 18, 19. I was in school for psychology, and I went to a because uh, I was fascinated with the mind, and I went to a um, a yearly like public disobedience um, you know display in Boston Commons where people get together, they interact with cannabis. There's cops there, and as long as you're not doing anything crazy, they don't arrest you. So before cannabis was legal here, it was like a big deal every year, the Boston Freedom mm-hmm. Rally, right? And uh, and they called Hemp Fest too. And so I went there. I forgot my glasses and you guys know you got blue eyes, right? So if you got blue (laughs) eyes and the sun's really out, you're like, kind of like, ah, what am I even doing? can't see anything. And so I hear some guy yelling, who wants to make butter with me? And I'm like, I'm like, hey, that guy sounds like a cool guy. Let me go check out what he's doing. And so he's passing out these pamphlets for this new education center opening up right like literally five minutes from where I lived. That was all based on cannabis and the science, the history, growing it, you know, everything about it. And so I went home. And I told my father who, when my father finally found out that I was connecting with cannabis, he was more of just the just say no approach, but he was actually not upset at all that I was interacting with. He was actually very like excited because he realized like, okay, like, and to my dad's credit, he didn't have any cognitive dissonance. He was like, I grew up in a time where I watched people waste their lives with this. Right. And really it wasn't with that. They were just wasting their lives and using cannabis as an excuse for it. But you know, he was like, but I see that this is helping you. You're the happiest you've been in years. You're an adult, do what you need to do. So after that, I would able to talk to my father about it. So I came home being a broke college student. I was like, Hey dad, uh, you know, could you help me get into the school? Could you help pay my tuition to the school? And he's like, well, you're already in one school. I'm like, I want to do this too. So not only does he pay my tuition, he signs up with me. And so we start wow. going to the school together. Right. And my dad and I were always super close and we had connected on a lot of things, but this was like new territory, you know? And so, we start learning and he's like picking it up. Now he's not interacting with cannabis at all. He likes being in the center of control, right? He wasn't a drinker. He just like likes his sober state of reality, but he was fascinated with something that he realized was helping me. And he started like really just getting into it. So we go to the school for a couple of years we learn how to grow. We start growing in that time. And it was actually right before I found out about the school that I had convinced my father to get me a grow kit because it was legal to grow here now. And I grew a couple of plants and it was like the worst, like it was just the ter- most terrible harvest. Right. And I, I don't lie at all with this. Like, it was like, just very comical. And so when they, when I asked to sign up for the school, he was like, well, Hey, this is like a hobby. You're looking to get into this. You know, you're combining with psychology. Yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll put some money into this for you. And so we, uh, we started going together. We learned everything about growing. I start getting much better at growing. And it was kind of like a father son project. I was teaching him, you know, more about how to grow and stuff. And and so it was really cool. And, you know, this goes through for a couple of years. I start interning at the school. You know, I was the first person, in, last person out every day. I just knew like something in me was fired up when I got to the school. I was like, okay, I don't want to wear khakis the rest of my life. So the normal <laughs> psychological way of, you know, being a psychologist therapist is not going to work for me. And so, <clears throat> so I decided I'm like, all right, I'm going to do both of these. And so after a few years, I ended up going to a music festival in Las Vegas with some friends. And I interacted with my first other medicine, which was MDMA. And I had this beautiful experience. And I felt this like really interesting, like heartache almost. And at this point, like I was feelings were like kind of, I wasn't exactly in touch with them, let's say. And so I started feeling this feeling and I knew it had something to do with my dad, but I had no idea what it was. And so it was like, kind of unsettling, right? But I'm like in the middle of 50,000 people. I'm like, well, probably not the time to think about this right now. So I kind (laughs) of let it go. And so when I come home, I get home on like June 20th, you know, I have a couple of days of recovering. And then on June 22nd, I wake up to go help my dad with the artwork. Like I did every Saturday, I walk outside, I see him on the deck and something just felt strange to me. Like, you know, those moments in life where it just something, it almost feels like there's a glitch in the matrix and you're like, something's weird here. Yeah. So I just decide I'm like, all right, cool. So I go outside and, uh, and I go up to him and he basically tells me that he got diagnosed with terminal cancer mm. and that he's not oh. going to take treatment and that uh, it's already way past the point of being able to treat. And he was like, listen, I'm not going to change my lifestyle. He was a two pack a day cigarette smoker, he drank Coca Cola, Mm. he ate, you know, subs and bad food. But at the same time, that was my dad, right. And so I had an opportunity at that point to say, am I going to try to fix someone and think that they're broken? Or am I going to love them for who they are. But at the same time, I started realizing that like, it was such a rush, like, you know, a traumatic event that happens like that, where like, a parent sick or a friend, you know, is in a car accident or something and you don't like, there's just this moment because what trauma is, is that you weren't able to process fully the emotions that happened. And so it gets stored, right? And Native Americans call this part of your soul splitting off. And so that's what soul retrieval is and shamanism and everything. And so that happened. And I noticed that, you know, he told me that he had two months to live. And so it was like pretty wild because my dad and I were best friends. Like I've been really close to both my parents my whole life. And so and yet he didn't look sick. So I was having a lot of challenges being like, but you look fine, but like you're about to die and like all these things. And so I started noticing that all I wanted to do for my dad was to be there with him during his time of need. But I started noticing that I just wasn't available. And I started noticing that I was getting way busier. I was like cleaning my car three times a day, like OCD was coming up more anxiety, Mm. these types of things. And so I started noticing something strange here. And So because he wasn't going to take treatment, I said, well, hey, you know, I'd love it if I could at least help your pain with RSO or full extract cannabis oil. RSO stands for Rick Simpson oil. Rick Simpson is uh, the gentleman who made this extract, um, this form of cannabis more popular in the mainstream. And so I had learned and seen firsthand when I was at this cannabis school um, that THC can kill cancer cells, CBD can inhibit their growth and cannabis as an omniscient unit can really help cure cancer. And I know for people listening that haven't heard this before, they may be like, yeah, okay, but I promise you like there, I met people that literally would bring in their scans, that stage four cancer metastasized throughout their body, they get their life in order, they start drinking water doing eating healthy, because cannabis isn't a cure all, it's not going to fix a bad lifestyle, but they get their lifestyle in order. they supplement with the cannabis oil. And they would come in, And a period of time later, three, six months, and the doctors would be dumbfounded right at Dana Farber. I live in Boston. So like, this is one of the best cancer institutes in the world. And they'd be dumbfounded. Like, what are you doing? They'd be like cannabis. And they'd be like, no, you can't be doing that. And so I learned about all this. And so I talked to my dad about it. And at first he was opposed to the idea. He was like, no, I like my sober reality. But then the pain started coming in and he was like, all right, I want to get rid of this pain. So I, we, we made our harvest, like our last harvest Mm. that we did together into this medicine. And so over this time, not only did I prolong, help my dad prolong his life a year past his uh, terminal wow. date that they had given him, but I watched him be able to connect deeper to me, to himself, to his own mortality. I got to hear memories of his childhood that I'd never known about because this was the first time that my father and I were interacting with cannabis together. And so we started having these beautiful moments. I got to see him connect with his grandchildren, with, mm. you know, my his other siblings. Um, you know, all of these types of, you know, life and, and really just got to see really what cannabis does, because I had experienced it for myself, you know, these connection gaining benefits, but to watch it externally and watch what someone who had lived 65 years, his, his years of his life, not having this deep connection, yet at the same time being a very big connector, but almost never being able to like, sit into it himself and really feel the joy of like what he's done in life, be able to do that and be able to like, gain closure around his own mortality and these things, and be able to leave this world with his dignity and his hair, which he loved immensely He had a great head of hair. (laughs) And so like, that was part of it, you know, like, I got to realize that I get to love people for who they are, not who I want them to be. Right. And I get to love myself for who I am not who I think I need to be. I get to, you know, the most important thing for me, I realized was connection. I learned that from my father, I got to watch him like get all this closure. And so through that experience, it was a really powerful experience where I realized like, wow, this world is really needing connection right now. And, and, and I saw firsthand what it could do for someone that was already really good at connecting. Like my father was where I learned all of my external, you know, extrovert type things from, but to see what it did for him was really magical. And so Once I saw that, I realized, wow, there's way more here to cannabis than what we're being taught, and much more spiritual side to even what I had been taught. And so that really, you know, catapulted me into spirituality, into learning like the long lost history of cannabis. And that brings us up to date into I mean, I went through working at a dispensary for five years, working with over 5,000 patients on how to get their lives in order, how to interact with cannabis consciously and intentionally worked in cultivation for a few years, where I got to work in these massive grow ups and realized that most cannabis that is being grown is actually like dead because it's been grown with salt based nutrients. And it's being grown by people's energy, who is really out of touch with themselves. And when you're interacting with a plant medicine, you're interacting specifically with the consciousness level of the person who grew it. And so all of these things that aren't talked about, because they could be considered woo woo, right. But if you look into like, you know, uh, South American lineages and stuff, they're all like, yeah, of course, that's how it works. Right. And so Mm. I started looking into all this. And then in 2019, I realized that uh, to make the impact I wanted to make and to teach the amount of people I wanted to teach, I had to leave my my job at the cannabis industry. And I thought I was going to spend the rest of my life there. You know, I was uh, about to start working for another dispensary as lead grower and essentially achieve my dream, quote unquote. But as we know with the soul and the mind, when that soul clicks on and tells you something's not right, it's impossible to ignore if you don't want to mm-hmm. numb out, right? Yeah. And so yeah. I decided to fail forward through another hilarious, uh, experience in Las Vegas, uh, with MDMA, where I realized that, wow, I'm actually using cannabis unconsciously myself still. Right. And this was a huge awakening for me because at this point I was only interacting with cannabis once a night, one bowl to help me relax and but I wasn't intentionally using it. And so I started realizing how I was numbing out my emotions, a lot of around what I've experienced with my father, and just my whole entire experience of life was getting numbed out by cannabis, and actually by me using cannabis as the scapegoat to do so, and the permission slip to numb out. And so through that, I took a three month break, had all these downloads where I was speaking to my higher self, the plant, all this stuff, and then started highly optimized, had no idea what I was going to do with it. But I just was letting my soul guide. And then over the next three years, I finally realized, oh, I'm going to be teaching people how to interact with cannabis consciously. And that's when Connect With Cannabis was born, which is our 10-week, our actually 12-week now program, which added two new modules where we teach people how to connect deeper to their life and reimagine cannabis as a tool for self-development and self-awareness when used intentionally, consciously, and responsibly. And it's been so rewarding to see people that really experience, like, and be able to replicate what I experienced with cannabis and be able to share these things that so many people are like, I've had experiences like that with cannabis, but my intellect had no idea how to place it because it's not available anywhere out there to learn. And so now that I've been giving people a space to go, those experiences can happen with cannabis. It's almost like how they talk about when the, uh, the Indians saw Christopher Columbus's ships, a lot of them couldn't see them because they had never known right. what a ship was before. And so it was, it was impossible to see. And so that's what's been happening with a lot of people is that they've had these experiences and they knew they were powerful, but they had no idea where they came from, how to place them, right? Mm -hmm. And so they were fragmented almost. And so as I've been able to teach people these things, people are teaching me things back. It's been incredible. And now we're moving into creating grow with cannabis, which is actually how to see the process of cultivation as self development and self development as cultivation. And we can get more into that whole metaphor as well if you guys want. But
1: hey, friend, have you heard? Chase and I have finally done it, and the secret is out. After living and breathing medicinal mushrooms for many years, we wanted to create our own mushroom elixir formulation, something that is delicious, obviously, but also reflective of two of our biggest passions in life, highest quality mushrooms and highest quality love. We named it Mushy Love Latte. Mushy Love includes a whopping full gram of organic mushrooms, chaga and tremella, to support your gut health, immunity, hydration, and beauty. It's caffeine-free, made with organic ingredients, and no gut-disrupting sweeteners. Oh, and it tastes like a liquid cinnamon roll. Mushy Love is launching this summer with a limited supply. So if you want to insure a bag for yourself, make sure you get on our Mushy Love VIP list, where you'll receive early presale access, an exclusive discount, and behind-the-scenes content as we get ready to launch. To become VIP, just head to themedicine.com forward slash Mushy Love. That's M-U-S-H-Y-L-O-V-E. Or just check the show notes for the direct link. Let's get mushy, boo. Oh,
2: wow. Oh, that's my awesome, gosh. Man. There's wow. like
1: so much there. I, As you were speaking, I was just so many things are coming up. But wow, you had some very powerful life experiences in connection to these different medicines that mm. they're woven into the fabric now that is you and it makes sense that your purpose your mission at least what how it's expressing itself at this moment in time is is woven in with these medicines because it sounds like you went through a lot at a very young age and had mm. to almost like grow up pretty fast in yeah. certain, in certain <laughs> aspects. And, and uh, man, it just, it, wow. Thank you so much for sharing your yeah. story that, yeah. you know, Beautiful. that's, it's Thank you really, guys for really powerful. It. Yeah. <laughs> wow.
2: You know, I, I think something that would be, you know, interesting to hear is, as you know, we've kind of cracked open the can of cannabis, if you will, <laughs> what does healthy cannabis use or a healthy marijuana habit look like compared to what an unhealthy one could look like, you know, we, you mentioned dependency or at least, mm-hmm. and even in my life, it's, it's been an unconscious exercise at times. It's been a numbing mechanism, it's been an escape modality. And so maybe help us a little bit yeah. define like what healthy and what unhealthy relationship to cannabis looks like.
1: Yeah. Like if, a if someone's listening now and they're like, well, I want to know if it's, if I'm using it intentionally or not, How, can help them along in, in sort of like a, a checklist. Like, are they, yeah. are
0: they. This is one of my favorite subjects to get to you guys. He asked the best questions, so much fun. But the first thing I want to say, right, is for anyone listening, you do not need any plant medicine to experience these types of things, right? That being said, there are certain people that are pulled to these medicines. And this is one of the things that I feel it's my responsibility as someone who speaks about plant medicines to state, because I know what FOMO can feel like, right? Maybe you're like never really been called to plant medicines, but all your friends are telling you, come on, come on, just try it don't try it if it's not right for you right feel the call from within now if it's feeling right for you you're someone who's already been connecting with cannabis because i don't feel cannabis like any other plant medicine is meant for everyone and i also don't feel the plant calls on everyone right there are certain people the plant calls on to work with and that can benefit from its teachings because just like how you know i'm trying to come up with an analogy but like Just like if you don't have a foot problem, you're probably not going to go to a foot doctor, even though those exist and it's an option, right? And so there's certain people that are going to resonate with cannabis and, you know, why that reason is could be, I mean, infinity, like infinite different reasons. But what I would say in terms of like healthy versus unhealthy from my own experience and what I've coached people through is that most people... interact with cannabis these days that aren't like very aware of what cannabis is, which is a very, very few select people because it's not talked about. Like, you don't really hear that much about people doing mushrooms and like, just like numbing out, right? Like you're going to do mushrooms and there's a purpose, right? There's some reason you're going to do them. You're curious, but cannabis, it's very natural to like interact with cannabis and get into a scroll hole on Instagram for three hours and just tune out, right? Like there are these things that are quote unquote common, but they're not normal, right? Because or or vice versa, normal but not common, right? Those two words are you know not mutually exclusive. And so what I always say is that from my own experience. The number one thing that I that I teach people for becoming uh, getting into a healthy relationship with cannabis is a three-step process. And that process, the first step of that is called taking your power back. Because like I said, these plants are not showing you anything that is unable to be accessed already inside of you. They're showing you what is possible past whatever limitations, programs, patterns, limiting beliefs are currently residing within you that are refusing for you or not uh, allowing you to access these states of awareness. And so when you take your power back, you're putting your power into the equation of the plant, you're having a synergistic relationship with the plant. And so what this looks like is a combination of intention and ceremony. So to take your power back, you need to first set an intention, what is your reason for calling upon this medicine, and then, the ceremony aspect of that is what container are you going to set for that intention to play out within. And so to give an example of what this might look like. Maybe you have an intention that you want to release something, right? Maybe you've been, you know, there's a lot of stinking thinking coming up in your mind, right? And you're noticing these things that are not leading to a great experience of life. And so you don't exactly know what you want to release, but you're like, I want to release what I'm carrying, right? I want to put down what I'm carrying. So that's your intention. And then maybe the ceremony plays out with you burn some sage you set a sacred space by doing a seven directional prayer or something like that. And then you write down on a piece of paper, just what you've been feeling recently. You know, maybe it reads something like this. I've been waking up and I've been feeling my mind go and it's having all these thoughts about what is possible for me and what is not possible. And I want to let it all go. And so then you take that letter and you burn it and that's your ceremony aspect of that. So we've covered intention and ceremony and therefore taking your power back. Next, we move into the second step, which is unlocking your creative potential. And to do this, One must surrender to the power of the plant because what a lot of people do with a lot of plant medicines, not just cannabis, but, you know, pretty much any plant medicine is that they are interacting with this plant for some sort of reason. Usually it's unconscious. They don't really know why they're interacting with it. And then what do they do? They white knuckle through the whole experience and try to control it. Right. right? And so this is obvious because most people don't know what they're sitting with the medicine for. And so if a challenging experience comes up they don't know how to place it. Why am I having this experience? I was supposed to have fun. I was supposed to do this. I was supposed to connect deeper, whatever they thought was gonna happen. But if you set an intention to release what you're carrying, right? And then you have a very challenging experience, you're going to be able to go and use that intention as an anchor to go, oh, well, you know, my intention was to release what I was carrying. This must be what I was carrying, right? On the other side, maybe you make an intention that you want to be happy on the end of the experience, and then you go through a very challenging experience. Well, maybe then, because of that anchor, you'll, your your intuition will be able to tell you, oh, maybe this is what's standing in the way of me being able to access happiness. Maybe this is what I've been holding inside and not allowing myself to see and numbing out, and this is what needed to come out, like a child crying, to be able to have the child laugh after And so in doing so, you unlock your creative potential, because a lot of your creative potential is held up with stuck emotions with stuck energy, right? Like by the time of 35 95% of your energy is stored in your subconscious in your body. And so all of your conscious awakening state is pretty much just based off of what you already know about life. So you wake up and immediately unconsciously, your mind starts looking for who you are, right? What is Ryan? What is Mimi? What is Chase, right? And so if Ryan, Mimi, or Chase is usually depressed. Well, then your mind is looking for that depressed feeling. And oh, now we feel like ourselves, right? And so we've we've failed to be able to get into an imagination state to be able to imagine a new reality for ourselves. And so when we surrender, we're opening up the doorway to imagination. And so that's unlocking your creative potential. And so the third step is then becoming unstoppable. So once you've taken your power back, you've unlocked your creative potential you then are able to become unstoppable. And what becoming unstoppable entails is all about integration, right? Because like I was saying before, these medicines are only showing you what is already possible for you in your life. So they'll show you the what, but it's up to you and your responsibility to figure out the how. So there's a couple of different examples I'll share here to bring it home for people listening. So maybe you sit into an experience and you're like, I want to find more joy in life. That's your intention. You play out your ceremony. You surrender into the experience. And when you're surrendering, you start realizing, oh, my God, I really want to paint. I'm feeling a big call to start painting. again. I haven't painted since I was a kid. It was so much fun, right? So you're all fired up in this experience. You're like, tomorrow, I'm going to start, right? But if you come out of that experience and don't actually do the masculine component, like the the actual component that your mind is meant for of like, okay, let me put it on my calendar. What night am I going to go? What art classes are near me? How do I actually do this? Right? If you just expect that medicine's going to do that part of you're going to figure it out, well, you're going to wake up the next day, that 95% of your reality that's already known is going to wake up and just get into your normal routine. And then weeks are going to go by and you're going to go, I need more medicine to access that feeling again, cue patterns of dependency, right? And so this is what happens with a lot of people is they, they find out the what, but they have, they don't actually take the responsibility and ownership of figuring out how. And so on the other side, maybe you have that same experience. You realize you want to paint, you come out of it. You start looking up classes near your house. And then you find this painting class that's near your house on a Friday. You feel a little scared, but you're like, I'm signing up anyway. You sign up, you go, you have a blast. You keep going. You start meeting people. You start becoming the teacher's pet there. You start really looking forward to it. And then one week the teacher's sick and they're like, Hey, you know, Mimi or Chase, could you fill in for us? Like, you know, I'm not gonna be, I I, mean, I have a fever, I can't go, I got COVID, whatever. And so then you end up teaching the class, right? And so this is how like the breadcrumb trails, right? And mm-hmm. like all of a sudden, before you know it, now maybe you have a whole business where you're teaching other people how to do art, right? And now you're doing what you love, but it was because you actually did the quantitative measures of figuring out how. And so when you follow that three-step process, it ensures that you're conscious, you have an intention, and you're going to be able to actually gain something from the experience, because you're also realizing the degree to which what you're experiencing is just a snapshot of what is already able to be experienced. But again, you might have something blocking that's preventing you from experiencing it. On the other side, right of like unhealthy, what I would say is, the people that you know, I I met thousands of these people at a dispensary, right? That come in, right? And I'm all jonesed up because I'm working a job that I love. And I'm like, how are you doing today? This is amazing. Oh my God. And they're like, man, day sucks. But at least I got weed to get me through. Yeah. And uh, I'm going to mm-hmm. work my shitty job and like give me four pre-rolls so I can smoke three throughout the day. And then one before I go to bed and like they'd leave. And I'd be like, man, that was heavy. I'll take, uh, I'll nail in the head for 500 please of heavy. And so, <laughs> and so, you know, that would be an unhealthy expression because then you're using it as a substance. And I'm not here to tell anyone like what they're doing is wrong or good or whatever, but I'm here to give people an awareness of like, actually ask yourself, what are you interacting with cannabis for? And I say cannabis, but you can change out anything in your life, coffee, Mm -hmm. exercise, um, the people in your lives, right? Are you really interacting with them because they're what's meant for you and what feels right? Or are you doing it to numb out, right? Are you going out for drinks after work because you want to spend time with your friends and they happen to be in town and like maybe that's what they like to do. And so you're like, all right, I'll meet them where they're at and I'll go to a bar and maybe I'll get water and I'll hang out. Or are you just doing it because you're like, my day sucked and I just don't want to think about it anymore. Because if you're doing it that way, then you're going to form this pattern of dependency. Because what I tell people is that people thinking that cannabis or any of the other things are addictive is another way you're losing your power. Because you're saying that I have no power over this plant. There's objectively, it's just addictive and there's nothing I can do to change it. When in reality, you could also say, maybe this plant isn't inherently addictive because not every single person that's ever smoked it and interacted with it is addicted to it. So what in me is going on here? Well, maybe I'm living in with a lot of feelings of discomfort and this plant being feminine in nature is providing feelings of comfort and I'm addicted to the feelings of comfort. Mm -hmm. Wow. What if I could show myself (laughs) this comfort, right? What if I, yeah. What if I could learn how to give myself this comfort? And that's more of the how, right? We're like, okay, in my case, I'll give you a perfect example. You know, Maybe instead of packing my calendar so full because my mind's like, yeah, let's go. Maybe I can stop working at five o'clock and have time to play guitar or watch guy or read a book and give myself that comfort. So that way I'm not called to interact with cannabis every single night of my life as -hmm. an escape mechanism. Mm -hmm. Now I'm actually able to use cannabis to tune more into my life and ask what's what's just out of my view now. So that's why I choose to interact with it only on weekends, because what I found and most shamans that interact with cannabis do it this way too, but they don't interact with it more than twice per week. Number one, it preserves the transcendental and spiritual properties of the plant. Um, And there's a couple other tips and tricks I have for people to preserve those things, but it allows them to go, okay, um, I had my week, right? with, With no substances added, right? I know when I got stressed, I have things that I'm curious on. Hey, that person that looked at me that wrong way that really triggered me, what went on there, right? So then they make the intention, what went on there? They sit with cannabis, cannabis gives them an answer of like, hey, That person actually wasn't looking at you weird at all. It was just something you realized in yourself that was based on some traumatic event you had as a child or whatever comes through. Mm -hmm. And then you go, okay, let me try to integrate that in the next week of my life. So in that next week, it acts as the chum in the water where you don't have any of these protectors like cannabis or alcohol or fill in the blank here, right there to protect you. So then you're able to like, it's, it's kind of like how, if you don't think there's sharks in California, right just throw some chum in the water and you're going to see them come up. So if you think that you're fixed, go without all the protectors in your life. You're going to see if anything comes up. Right. And so, I use this, that chum in the water, where then that week is my integration period of what I learned the previous weekend. And then the next week, and I have more questions to ask. And so now I'm in this conscious relationship with this plant, where sometimes even on the weekends, I just get this intuitive feeling of like, ah, tonight's not a good night. Maybe I'm working on it. Maybe I'm still integrating what I've learned the week before, but I kind of give myself that loose structure. Mm. Now there are times where say I come out to San Diego to hang with you guys and check where it's a Thursday and, you know, we're doing something. I'm like, yeah, I'm going to interact with cannabis tonight because it feels yeah. right. So, I provide a loose structure for myself, but I also understand that, you know, to being too structured, there's a point of diminishing return. Sure. So, if it feels right, I'm going to do it. More often than not in my daily life, it feels right on the weekends. And so, I give that structure. But again, for anyone listening, figure out this stuff yourself. You can take what I said and try it out. But again, most people are going to be a little bit different, right? Maybe you find like Tuesday, Wednesday is when I want to do it, not the weekends, right? Cool. That's awesome. There's no right or wrong answer to this. It's much more of a flowy qualitative type science than quantitative. And so That's what I would say in terms of healthy and unhealthy is that healthy involves this intention, the ceremony, the surrendering and integration, whereas unhealthy is just unconscious numbing out, using it as a substance and escape
2: mechanism. Huge. I I absolutely love consciousness, intention, and integration. We talk about them all the time. Mm -hmm. You know, the medicine podcast doesn't matter what it is. It doesn't matter what modality, what medicine, um, consciousness, intention, integration is such a freaking trio man like mm-hmm. it's so huge to successful endeavors in in any way so i absolutely love that and resonate so deeply with that Yeah, um, you, you know
0: you know yeah. one interesting thing too i forgot to say is that this is when these plants can really become medicines and teachers because Mm. how you do anything is how you do everything. So if you learn to interact with cannabis consciously, right? And the great thing about plant medicines is that for people that are unaware of what intention does or the power of intention or what creativity feels like or any of these things, maybe they're more in the left brain. Like I heard someone say like, The first time I interacted with cannabis, I didn't have to scientifically prove I had a heart chakra. I could just feel it, right? Mm -hmm. And so for a lot of people that are like, I don't know, I hear all this stuff. It's woo, I don't really get it. What plant medicine specifically cannabis can do is allow you to have the direct experience of what intention is. And then when you're actually able to gain an awareness around what intention feels like, what it can do for you in your life then how you do anything is how you do everything. Then you're going to be more likely to say, what am I looking out of this bottle of water? What am I looking to get at the end of this? What am I mm-hmm. lo- eating this food for? What am I connecting with these people for? And then you start to actually intentionally be able to create your own reality. And yeah. that is part of what I believe is why we're here, right? Going back to what we started with, with to realize that we are God, we have the power to create our own realities. And so I wanted to add that in too. how you do anything, yeah. how you do Dude. everything. Yeah, that's <laughs> oh. so good. Um, I mean, that's
1: just so many nuggets there. I Curious, you know, for, we, we subscribe to the value of making sure whatever we interact with, whether that's strawberries or beef or whatever it is that we are getting the highest quality possible because we, you know, try to treat our bodies as if they are temples, as if this is a friend that I am here to help and to nourish. Um, can you give us and the listeners, you know, from a health standpoint, what are, what are some things that we should be on the lookout for in the cannabis space? You know, over the last, you know, probably five, six years, it's just exploded. And now there's a dispensary on every corner and strip mall. Mm -hmm. Give us a little bit of guidance on, you know, maybe like starting at the top and then moving downward of, of types or standards that we should be looking for when we're looking
0: at, at something like cannabis? Yeah, great question. So there's a couple of different areas here. There's the quantitative qualities and the more qualitative. And so I'll speak to the quantitative first, because I imagine a lot of people will resonate with these. So there's obviously like every state uh, has different requirements and different testing for what like the legal industries require. And so I know Massachusetts has one of the strictest, um, you know, testing uh, procedures. I know, say, Maine, for instance, doesn't have that much testing, right? Now, again, that doesn't necessarily mean that that cannabis is going to be, you know, a lesser quality or something. It actually sometimes is paradoxically opposite. Um, but what it does mean is that you want to be looking at a dispensary or, you know, if, depending on what state you're in you want to look at a dispensary that's really excited to test their stuff, right? Really excited Mm. to show their test results, to show that they didn't use any pesticides, herbicides, rodenticides, fungicides, no glyphosate is in there, things like this. Now, it's challenging because not every state requires all of those things to be tested. They also, not every state requires heavy metals to be tested. Most states require mold testings. But here's the thing, right? As someone who worked in the industry, I can tell you, when they're testing right like they might have 10 pounds and they're testing a 7 gram sample of it so that 7 gram sample might come up totally clean but it doesn't mean there's not mold somewhere in there yeah and so uh, a lot of what i'm going to say in this quantitative area is going to lead into why i recommend everyone growing their own but so with flour that's one thing you want to keep track of Um, quantitatively. I'll get more into the qualitative stuff in a second, but quantitatively you wanna you wanna keep track of the test results. You wanna go somewhere that prides themselves on like you when you walk into a dispensary, you're gonna be able to feel real quickly like if their workers are excited to work there, that's a good sign, Mm, right? Because because they're gonna be like a lot of these places do not take care of their workers. And I know this firsthand. So our first owner of our place was very passionate about medical cannabis. He was in uh, New York when 9-11 happened Mm -hmm. and he was extremely high up in finance. And when that happened, he had PTSD that was so bad he couldn't work for three years. And so cannabis was the only thing that allowed him to come back to life. And so he got into that business because he wanted other people to be able to get, find relief from this medicine. So when I worked for him, it was amazing, right? We were working long hours, we were understaffed, but everyone was willing to help out. Like we were just all so passionate about being there. Then let's just say another company took over who was like, Hey, uh, my projections showed that this year, uh, cannabis is the thing that's going to make me more money than real estate. So now I'm here, right? That kind of energy. And you could tell the demeanor change in me and everyone that worked there, because now they were trying to cut out as much of the stuff that had made us passionate about working there as possible. Right. Um, Hey, you know, I know this, um, Cannabis failed for mold, but you know, we can put it through this remediation device that removes the mold and technically, technically Mm. it's safe, right? I'm not here to tell you that they were doing anything that was that bad, but at the same time, what is the spiritual energy of the plant that was grown, had mold in it, and then was cleaned and then sold to sick patients. It's like these kind of things happen. And so it's important to recognize that this industry, although they might have the testing and everything, there's a lot you can't control, um, with edibles, uh, a lot of times they're made with CO2 distillate. So when a good question to ask when you walk into a dispensary is if you're looking to buy edibles, ask, is this full spectrum or not? Right. If it's full spectrum, more likely than not, it was made from cannabis butter and a full spectrum extract. If it's not, and they say, no, it's primarily THC. It was made from CO2 distillate. And let me give you an industry secret of how most CO2 distillates made. So CO2 distillate will that process. Uh, of creating CO2 distillate through a a supercritical distillator will remove mold, right? So say if you fail a harvest for mold, you can legally like and safely turn it into CO2 distillate, but safe, like when I say safely, I mean like quantitatively, there will not be mold in it, but what's the energy of a plant that was grown with mold. And so what happens a lot is that when people are buying things made with CO2 distillate, it's literally just whatever cannabis failed testing and they couldn't sell in Mm -hmm. flower form. And so that's an important thing to keep track of too when it comes to cartridges, um, you know, a lot of times there may be CO2 distillate. That's another thing. Uh, but a lot of times, like we had this, um, uh, scare about three years ago and you guys might remember, cause it started in California where people were buying black market cartridges and dropping dead yep. because there was this, um, uh, emulsifier they had used, uh, mm. to cut the cartridges with, that was not actually meant to go into human lungs and it was creating this horrible Oof, disease. Geez. And so what happened was Massachusetts being very strict. They said, Hey, we know this is in a black market thing, we're going to stop selling vapes and everything and test everything that's even in licensed dispensaries to figure out if somehow it got into there. Now, what they found was that, no, that thing was not in there. Everyone had done their testing right. My dispensary had done their testing right. But what they didn't realize was at that point, they weren't testing for heavy metals in vape cartridges. And then they expanded the test to be like, let's just figure out what's in here. And what they realized was a lot of the shells of these cartridges were leaking yeah, heavy yeah. metals into the mm-hmm. final thing. So even the tested ones that literally these dispensaries were doing everything by the book, they were doing the right thing, but they didn't know what they didn't know either, right? Yeah. And so what I say is there's a reason that mother nature made cannabis the way it was meant to be interacted with. So for me, I interact with flour, ice water hash, or... Um, or uh, edibles that are made with cannabis butter. And so that's the quantitative side of some things that if you're going to a dispensary, someone's listening to this, they're going to be able to take this information and directly correlate it to a better experience with cannabis. Um, the other thing that I didn't add in there was if you can, you want to find cannabis that was grown either sun grown or very unlikely grown with biogeometry in it. Uh, if it was. Grown yeah. Cause I, yeah, I want to make sure that we doing that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I want to
1: make sure that we can, maybe you can ex- explain that. I'm sure you were just about to get yeah. into that, but mm-hmm. we know that that's kind of a sweet spot of yours. Yeah, it? bio, it's,
2: biodynamic wine, or yeah. wine uh, uh, cannabis. cannabis, and yeah. obviously like, uh, you know, a little bit of biogeometry, like how do people get, how do people get this if they don't know you personally?
1: This episode of the medicine is brought to you by Optimal Carnivore. Question. Do you know what the most nutrient dense foods on the planet are? Answer organ meats, providing a hearty dose of vitamin A, zinc, copper, folate, B12, and more. But (laughs) they're not always appetizing to take down. I've tried. That's why we absolutely love Optimal Carnivore. Organ meats support and nourish our bodies in ways that synthetic or plant-derived nutrients are simply not capable of providing. Those who incorporate organ meats report feeling more energy, less brain fog, and like they're truly thriving. These are 100% grass-fed organ meats from New Zealand, freeze-dried and encapsulated into convenient bovine gelatin capsules. They choose New Zealand because it's a pure source, a pristine land with rich soil, lush greenery, and one of the cleanest environments on Earth. Their products are 100% grass-finished and free of all hormones, pesticides, antibiotics, and GMOs. Our ancestors would have eaten the whole animal. So Optimal Carnivore created this unique blend of nine different organs, a powerful combination including beef liver, brain, thymus, heart, kidney, spleen, pancreas, lung, and gallbladder. Each organ contains its own unique benefits and nutritional profile and provides a large range of nutrients that support all the major organ systems. The guys at Optimal Carnivore believe everyone deserves easy access to the most nutrient-dense foods and wanted to take the guesswork and mess out of eating organ meat. They are also giving back to the planet by planting one tree for every product sold. Our favorites are the grass-fed organ complex that I mentioned and the grass-fed liver capsules. To get some more of these essential nutrients in your life, go to amazon.com forward slash optimal carnivore and use the code THEMEDICINE to save 10% on all of their products. As always, bringing you only the best, my loves. Cheers. (laughs)
0: Yeah, yeah. So, so this is why I'm teaching everyone how to grow their own now, because for anyone listening, it is not challenging to grow cannabis, they call it weed for a reason, it will grow pretty much through cement. But that being said, (laughs) if you want to optimize it and really have like the highest quality cannabis you can, there are some tricks uh, to be able to do that. And so this leads perfectly into the qualitative aspects. Now, if you're going to a dispensary, you don't know who grew that right? So you don't know if that person was drinking every night, coming to work depressed, and now you're smoking their medicine that was grown with their level of consciousness. So a lot of times people have these challenge experiences and they don't know why. And otherwise they're, they're aware of their lives and these things. But a lot of times this is not being measured. It's very hard to measure. Most people don't even, most people in the world don't even really recognize that consciousness is a thing, right? So then trying to tell them that their consciousness grew this medicine, they're like, you lost me, right? Yeah. For those listening that understand this stuff, I imagine you will resonate with what I'm saying. Um, the other thing is that with salt based nutrients, right? So, very similar to how you guys were talking about meat, right? If meat is factory farmed, it gets stressed and then we interact with that meat. And then, therefore, that stress gets uploaded into our tissues and we take on that stress. Very similar if a plant that wants to be given space and patience to grow is being force fed salt nutrients and all these things that, yes, might pass a test and might not be objectively bad for us in terms of what we know about health. Well, we don't include spirituality and in our spiritual body and our etheric body and all of these the biofield and everything into when we're thinking about health and so a lot of times what happens is that you know these salt-based nutrients and things they rush the plant's growth and they traumatize the plant right because the plant's like i'm not even the plant kind of knows like i'm getting used here to make money right and so when you're interacting with that medicine once again, you're going to feel some of that like stress in your life. And so those are some of the more qualitative things that are a little harder to measure, but something to watch out for. You'll know intuitively, just interact with medicine, try it out. Um, And if you feel like a feeling where it's kind of like, I don't, this doesn't feel like mine, but I'm definitely feeling something, you know, that you're, you're warranted in that. Like I've experienced Mm -hmm. this many different times. That's why I don't interact with any cannabis except my own these days, or someone that I know very Mm -hmm. closely. So uh, on the other side of it, This is why I recommend everyone grow their own. And it's super easy. Uh, The course I'm making is going to break it down. So that like anyone, no matter how much you're like, I don't have a green thumb. It's very easy. And one of the best ways you can do it is by allowing nature to do the process. So, the way that I cultivate mimics the forest floor. So, I do what's called no till gardening. I use Korean natural farming, I use biodynamic farming principles, and I use biogeometry. Now, for anyone who doesn't know biogeometry, it's pretty much the design language of the energetic signature of shapes, colors, textures, things like that. So, a room, depending on its length, width, and height, has an energetic resonance to it. And if it's built without the right dimensions, it might cause chaos in our biofield, right? So we might not be able to hear it similar to how we don't hear a dog whistle, right? Or feel it rather than we don't hear a dog whistle, but our body is feeling it and it's taking it in. And so when we're able to balance our environment out, ourselves, and therefore our cannabis plants, right? And anything that we really have in our lives with biogeometry, it's kind of like the difference between Going to school after studying for a test, and you get to set, you get to the school, and your bully's in class, and he's giving you those eyes the whole entire test. How well are you going to be able to focus? Not well, because you have a lot of interference and stress in your life, right? Right. Versus take that bully out of the equation, and you study for the test. Now, how well are you going to be able to do? I'm going to be able to do all of it better. So, when you're growing plants, being able to use biogeometry principles, it structures the space so the plants can do a sigh of relief and they can feel mm. safe in their energetic space and they can do what they want. And there's uh, hemp farmers in Sweden that have, uh, there was three hemp farms right in a row. I learned this in biogeometry and they didn't know I was into cannabis. So when I, when they said this, I was like, I feel like this is the universe saying something to me <laughs> because there's, there was these, uh, two or three farms that were growing hemp in Sweden. And one of the guys knew about biogeometry. So all he did was make this certain shape, which is on the charging plate out of wood. And he put it around the stalks of his plants. Well, his yields were triple what everyone else got. And he tried Whoa. telling them, they were like, what are you doing? He's like, I just put these shapes here. And I'm like, yeah, sure. Well, after about four or five harvests of consistent results like this, they adopted the same principles and got the same results. And so I realized for some people listening might be stretching them to like, think about this, like what you're going to tell me shapes can do this there is a rabbit hole you can
2: dive into with sacred yeah. geometry and everything that I won't get oh, into, yeah, but yeah. it really works. We're, I can tell it, you from firsthand experience. <laughs> yeah. If, you're, if your appetite is, is, you know, wetting from this topic, there's more to come because we're definitely going to have, uh, you know, more, uh, you know, guests and experts on when it comes to biogeometry. So that's freaking rad, dude. Yeah. Um, you know, curious about, uh, oils, vapes, waxes, Mm -hmm. that's what I sort of grew up on. Um, I Mm -hmm. still have a vape pen that I Mm -hmm. use pretty regularly, although it is very low. Most of the time it's our our volcano. Um, What are some of the dangers? What should we be looking out for? And I hesitate to ask because- (laughs) (laughs) You don't wanna hear the answer. (laughs) Yeah. So what I would say for that is, um,
0: honestly, you wanna avoid anything that was made with a hydrocarbon. Um, And so what that might be is butane, propane, um, even CO2 can technically be in that, uh, realm, you know, those CO2, I do feel safer, but honestly, if you've ever interacted with CO2 distillate, it's just boring as hell in the industry, they call it poop soup, because like I said, most of the time it's made with stuff that's failed, but even still, like, even if it was made with the highest quality flour, they rip all the terpenes out as part of the process of creating CO2 distillate. And then they usually reintegrate them. And it's kind of just this weird, cheesy approach to it for me the only extract that I will interact with other than RSO or FICO, which there's a specific process of doing that. And there's actually this really interesting connection to the Bible and um, how Jesus is anointing oil. They found recipes and it was basically calling for a lot of, um, what do they call it? Um, there's a term uh, like Cannabis or something like that that's been uh translated as a different type of plant and ben stewart talks a lot about this yeah, too but yeah. they're actually um they're actually thinking that it was cannabis right because can they describe the qualities of it and it's all what cannabis does and so uh with fico you know i would interact with that um but on the side of like more smoking it, because that's more of an edible oil you could technically smoke it but i don't recommend it um what i would what i the only thing i would interact with is either rosin or live rosin or like a bubble hash or something that was made with only ice water or pressure. Because then you know that like the true essence of what this plant is meant to be is getting captured and there's nothing else in it because here's the Mm. thing, right? They find like there's certain standards right now for how many uh, particulates of say butane can be left in a medicine for it to be safe. Well, what happens when they realize all of a sudden that that's not safe? And so in 10 years from now, you're like, hey, if you interact with any BHO, you're entitled to compensation, right? So that's why for me, (laughs) I go with as close to mother nature as possible. So yeah. rosin, live rosin, those are my favorites. Like live rosin is the best because so, they're, so that's, that's what I
2: have. That's it's yeah. it's live rosin. Um, but again, like I've, I've been, I felt my intuitive call to like really start to evaluate how much I consume, you know, vape cartridges um, yes. versus the volcano and versus, you know, finding biodynamic sources. So, yeah, this is exactly what I know I needed to hear. So, that's yeah. great. um, you, you know, when it comes to the strains, I think there's, there's probably a lot of like, um, stereotypes, you know, Indica mm-hmm. into couch. It's like, you really put your in the house. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so can you break those down a little bit? Like the difference between Indica sativa and then like hybrids just yeah. as like a shopper's guide, if you will, on what you're looking for.
0: Yeah, so this is a great question, because a lot of people feel that indica and sativa and hybrid can kind of be uh, synonymized with what effect you're going to get. And really, it's kind of almost more of a structure of what the plant grows like, because you could find a plant that, uh, you know, say is indica that might have a terpene because everything is hybridized these days, right? So I'm not saying it was always this way. But these days, everything is a hybrid. And so you could find a plant that, you know, uh, is an indica, right, that has a high, Pining or limiting content that might actually get you energized, right? I've grown plants that I'm like, oh, this is going to be a relaxing one Then I interact with it at like you know ten o'clock at night, and I'm like, I'm awake till through in the morning, having downloads and journaling and yeah, all that stuff. Yeah. And so, what I tell people to break this down is that you have various different constituents within the cannabis plant: cannabinoids, terpenes, flavonoids, etc cannabinoids will tell you how fast you're going to go, right, like how much power there is. And I think of it like a race car, right, it will tell you how fast you might be able to go. So higher THC is going to be stronger, but it doesn't tell you in what direction. Terpenes are your steering wheel. So they actually tell you like, okay, I might be going fast, but I'll be going left or right or stimulated, relaxed, um, euphoric, um, sexualized, like whatever is going to be, um, you know, uh, felt in the experience. That's going to come from a result of what the terpenes are telling you. And so that's what I tell people is that when you're looking at a plant, and this is actually starting to be more uh, popular these days with dispensaries, is that when I worked at the dispensary, everyone would come in, what's your highest THC? Because they wrongly think that Delta 9 THC, the more of it there is, the better deal they're going to get. Well, here's something that just came out recently. So there's a new cannabinoid they found called THCP, which is something like 10 times stronger than Delta-9 THC. Mm -hmm. So you might find a plant that has, say, 9% Delta-9 THC in it. So most people wouldn't even think twice about that. They'd laugh it off, right? But What happens if it has, say, 3% THCP in it? It could be insanely stronger than anything with 30% Delta-9 THC. So this is where people get stuck on these these things and they isolate certain components. And you've seen this whole craze with THC. Oh, I'll isolate just THC and that will get me higher. No, that's not the entire experience of what cannabis has to offer. Right. And if you interact with like say hemp, which is CBD or CBG dominant normally, you're gonna start realizing like, wow, this is very close to what I like think of as being like high with cannabis, yet there's something missing, because it's still psychoactive, yet it's not as intoxicating. And so what I tell people is, if you really want to know what you're going to experience, look at the terpenes. So Mm. terpenes like terpenaline, pinene, limonene, they're going to be very like, like energy based, let's say, right? In different ways, terpenin is going to be like, I'm going to get shit done. I'm cleaning the house, right? Limonene is more like euphoric, great right? for sex and things like that. Wait, can you Tynene's- repeat that one? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay. Limonene. Yes. Limonene. This is one of my, yeah, my best tips for sexual prowess here is, yeah. you know, if you want to have a sexual adventure with cannabis, find something high in limonene and not okay. too high in Delta 9 THC because you don't want to be like so far, like outside of your body that you're able to, <laughs> unable to connect. You yeah. want to be able to like connect with your partner and be a little like wowed by it, you know? So yeah. you want to have that sweet spot. Yeah. You don't you want that gonna... uh, stoner boner. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Cause at least it works in that way. But at the same time, you can kind of be like, wait, what am I doing? And that's not yeah. you know, fun for connection, distracting. You know, Yeah, exactly. And so pineine is a little more, in my experience, more mentally stimulating. So like, if I want to like think and do stuff like that, I go for pinene, um, you know, uh, Mersine on their hand is going to be more relaxing. Linalool is going to be more relaxing. Um, you know, um, forgetting some other ones on top of my head, but like you know, understanding terpenes is going to give you exactly what you're going to feel in the experience, a, a, an idea anyway. Right? Okay. Again, everything is different because everyone's endocannabinoid system is different. So, for instance, you guys, you know, one of you might have more CB1 receptors in your head. Some one of you might have more CB2 receptors in your body one of you might be able to have metabolize THC faster than the other. So one, you guys might start cannabis at the same time, each eat a 20 milligram edible. And one person's like, I don't feel anything. The other person's like, I'm tripping on the couch and I'm able to move. <laughs> yeah. right? So there is a little bit of trial and error with this. But what I always tell people is go low and slow when you're starting anything with cannabis, because the point is to not get blasted. Like that's not the point with cannabis necessarily, yeah. unless you have cancer or like need pain relief. Then there's yeah. a, there's an argument for like getting blasted and really going deep on cannabis. But in most of my experiences, I'm looking to just cross the threshold where I'm just seeing what's just out of my scope of consciousness right now. Right. And allow my, my analytical mind to come down go into the subconscious where all my programs and patterns are and start to see what can come up. And so understanding terpenes and cannabinoids understanding what their effects are is two of the best ways to figure out
2: what is going to be best for you. And then also just trial and error do running your own science. Really, really great. Really, really Mm -hmm. great. Awesome. Mm -hmm. Um, Two things from a health perspective that I think Mm -hmm. come up often, uh, at least in, in some of the conversations that I'm having with folks, Mm -hmm. uh, one would be effects on the endocrine system and just, uh, you know, testosterone specifically, I've seen some Mm -hmm. data or heard some other, uh, you know, authorities in the space, talk about it being a a negative uh, impact to testosterone or or maybe even like sperm count. Mm -hmm. And then the second to that would be, uh, sleep. And, and it definitely helps me sleep. And I know for yeah. a lot of people it does, but I've also heard that it impacts REM sleep and the ability to dream. So I'd love to mm-hmm. hear a little bit about, you know, hormones, men, hormones specifically, and yep. then a little bit about sleep and your thoughts there. Yeah.
0: So it's interesting. Someone hit me up recently with this testosterone thing. And when I did research into it, you know, I found a study that was basically saying that they had people smoke for 30 days. I believe it was 30 days. Okay. And they tested no difference in testosterone mm. yet at the same time. I could totally see how maybe people are having the effect of say low T because they're just so relaxed and so content because again, feminine medicine that they're like, not really interested in having sex. And I understand that, right? Because there have been nights where like, say, Rachel and I are interacting with cannabis and then we go to like, you know, have some fun. And it's kind of just like, I'm kind of just like a wet pool noodle, right? I'm like, (laughs) I don't know what I'm doing. I don't (laughs) really get it. Right. So it kind of takes a little bit of drive away. Sure. And it can do that because what is feminine energy? It's contentment. It's like, I'm yeah. cool where I'm at. I don't, yeah. I'm not really looking for anything. And what is testosterone? And like, what is sex? It's like, I'm looking to create something. Yeah. So it's the opposite of contentment. And so that's what I say, this fine line. Okay. If you're looking to have uh, sex with cannabis and you're looking to have it improve it, there is a fine line there to walk. And everyone's just a little bit different. Um, I would also to- say,
1: oh, sorry, I was oh, just no, going to no, add, go. like, yeah. in the studies uh, who, where they're showing, you know, it's a negative effect on testosterone or other mm-hmm. hormones, they're probably not using cannabis that is organic, biodynamic, you know, highest, highest, yes. highest quality. So exactly. it's just, like, in the studies where they're talking about, you know, meat and things like that, it's like, well, are you using pasture raised grass finished or are you using factory farm conventional
2: well similar it's like say you get the munchies and you're using cheap weed and you're getting the munchies and you're slamming a bunch of pop tarts (laughs) and it's loaded (laughs) with like estrogens and all of a sudden testosterone over the course of time so we don't know the other things that are happening but it is something that's always of interest to me um so so yeah Yeah, you know,
0: there's one thing I want to mention there too. the munchies are actually a thirst trap. And I'll tell you why. So Mm. basically, cannabis is an alkalizing medicine. So it's going to raise your pH to a more alkaline state, which is what allows for these higher levels of consciousness to click on. But the body doesn't realize what's happening. The body goes, Oh, shit, we're like our pH is off, we need to get back down to ground level. So it starts craving fats and sugars. And if you give into that, Then what happens is it actually hurts the ability for the plant to act transcendentally and spiritually. Mm, Now, I'm not saying that someone can never eat when they interact with cannabis, but just information going forward. There are times where I'm interacting with the plant. I might have some friends around. We grill up something on the grill. And I'm like, I'm not worried about if I'm getting the most spiritual things because I have another ceremony. I'm sitting with the plant and I'm doing that. Right. So it's just about gaining awareness around that. And so if you're finding yourself with the munchies, Throw some pink Himalayan salt under your tongue. It'll trigger your body with electrolytes to be like, oh, okay, I'm actually fine, right? LMNT packs work a similar way. Like any of these kind of things are fantastic for that. But to talk about sleep, so I've done my own little science experiment with the Aura Ring because I heard these things about REM sleep and whatnot. And what I found is that there is a correlation between interacting with cannabis and lower REM sleep. Yet I've found that it really only happens to a dramatic level. And by dramatic, I don't mean like insane amount, but like to a level where I can notice it on my aura ring if I'm interacting with it uh, more than two hours closer to bed, right? So so say I'm going to bed at 11. If I stop smoking by nine, I almost have no impact on my REM Mm. sleep. But if I smoke it after that, I start noticing a decrease. Now, how much I think the most I've ever noticed, I'm usually getting around two, two and a half hours of REM sleep, you know, per night on average with my aura ring, it'll be down around like one and a half to two hours. So we're not talking a big amount, but you figure if someone's doing this every day of their life, right, you could start to see why the short term memory loss and all these things start happening. Now, on the other hand of it, you know, with the dreaming, you know, I find that dreaming is, is something I've been getting more into because I don't think it's as simple as like you have REM sleep, you dream, right? You could look at it quantitatively that way, but I think it's also like dreams are doorways into the subconscious and to the level that you're not connected with your subconscious. You're not going to be able to dream or remember them as much because they might be traumatic for you. This is just my belief system. I have no idea if this is actually accurate, but it's what I've experienced. And so I want to make a disclaimer of that. So when I interact with cannabis, I actually have some of the wildest dreams I ever have with cannabis. And so I started asking myself what's going on there. And so I started talking to the plant. And what the plant told me was like, Well, you're connecting with me intentionally. And you're looking for this stuff, right? So we feel we you have the strength to show it to you. It's the same way that you're not going to hand a 10 year old keys to a car because they're not at the level where they can handle that, right. But after they've got to be 16, and they're practicing and they're not drinking, right? You're like, Okay, as a mom or dad, you're like, here, take the take the car home from the store, right? You can drive me home, right? Because you now trust them. And so the plant is never going to open up more than you can handle unless you are specifically interacting with it unconsciously in a way of like, I can handle whatever this plant throws at me and through going into intentionally, that experience could really quickly turn into an ordeal, right? And that's yeah. why I tell everyone, be aware, be conscious of how like your entire life, but especially with plant medicines, because it's not their job to figure out where you want to go. And if you're like very similar to how they talk about, The reason that we're not able to manifest uh, instantly here is because we haven't controlled our thought, uh, our thought being, like our thought system yet. And so if we think about something negative, we're lucky that it doesn't manifest instantly. And so at the same time, You know, it's the same with cannabis, where over time, you'll start to be able to work with this plant in a way where you start realizing like, okay, the reason I set an intention and I'm very conscious is because I don't want to manifest something that I don't want by going into it unconsciously, with whatever might be going on in my subconscious that I'm not aware of. And so that's why I tell everyone, even if it sounds silly, just tell the joint before you smoke it that you want to be happy on the other side of it, and then surrender into it and then integrate what it means for you after and start using it as lessons to experience life as a psychedelic, because why these plants are here? are to remember, like, allow you to remember that life can be a psychedelic experience. Like Terrence McKenna said, when you get the message, you can hang up the phone for a while. You know, it's like these plants aren't here to be the moon or sun. They're here to be the finger that points you back to the moon or sun when you get a little confused, you know, mm-hmm. and that's one of the ways yeah. I love to look at it. Um, you know, Yeah. These well. medicines
1: <laughs> are like the act of you know opening the curtains and seeing what's already there either outside or yes. inside and, and they're not the actual sun like you say that's so great yeah. i love that yeah oh,
0: thank perfectly you <laughs> yeah i
1: think that that's i mean that's a that's a perfect way to wrap this up because um yeah it's just said so so perfectly and beautifully and you're you. inspiring us i know because <laughs> we interact with cannabis and and you know there's always Even though we're very, you know, conscious individuals, there's always more, there's always a little nudge or a little something that we can do Mm. on a regular basis to, Mm. to make sure that our intentions and that our consciousness is at the highest level possible when interacting with these and and uh yeah just thank you so much for sharing oh, of course so so much of your knowledge and wisdom yeah
2: absolutely.
1: yeah um
0: thank you guys for having me on it was so much fun you guys asked amazing questions and i'm so excited to come back on one day <laughs> yes, yes, oh, yeah. yes we have so much more to talk I know, about we god do. the nature of
1: I, reality yeah. Yes. We uh, like of yeah we got through like 10 of our questions but, um, yeah. but before we got. sign me up for
0: all those questions
1: <laughs> yes before we let you go we do have some rapid fire questions that we ask yes. every guest. The medicine podcast is all about building conscious relationships in every aspect of our life with these things that are the real medicines. So we want to hear from you, you know, speaking to body, mind, and relationship. We'll start with your body. What currently feels like medicine for your body right now?
0: Mm. Breath work. I would say mm-hmm. is the thing that's feeling the most like medicine right now. I was going to say, uh, the emotion code healings I've been doing, but that's actually more emotional rather than like emotional body rather than physical body. So I would mm-hmm. say breath work overall is the thing that's really hitting
2: my body the most right now. Mm. That's awesome. i getting high on your own supply Did it this morning. I yeah. yeah. love it. <laughs> um, what about for your mind? What feels like medicine for your mind?
0: Uh, cannabis right now. Uh, and I'll say why, because, uh, it's been helping me understand that, uh, separate myself from my mind and start being able to explore my mind as a part of me yet, Mm -hmm. not all of me, and therefore integrate that into my daily life. Where now, when thoughts come up, I'm able to have separation from them and realize and laugh at them. And so I would say cannabis right now is what's, uh, in this very moment, the thing that's been helping my mind the most. Right.
1: Mm, Love that. What about for your relationship with the lovely Rachel, who we Mm. know and love, or just relationships in general, what feels like medicine?
0: Oh, this one is uh, more like metaphysical in a way, because I would say it's pushing through fear. Because Mm -hmm. there's, you ever see that statue of Burning Man, that's two adults arguing with one another, but their inner children are facing Mm -hmm. each other, right? Yeah, such a powerful sculpture, because a lot of times, right? Like, the thing that's been most medicine for me is realizing not taking anything personally. And so in realizing that, there's a lot of times where I might get triggered and I have to take ownership over like, hey, this isn't actually like the, their thing that they're doing to me. This is something that they're looking to bring out within me. So I would say to describe it, it would be realizing that a relationship of any sort is an unspoken uh, agreement to project on one another with the intention of healing one another's uh, challenges and illuminating their shadows so they can reclaim it into their wholeness. And so I would say like, not taking things personally and realizing those projections and realizing taking ownership over them will be the thing that is most useful for my relationships right now.
1: Mm, so good, nailed perfectly it. played. I
2: freaking nailed it, man. Go for it. Where where can everybody get more of you? You've got two podcasts, I think, two yes. right? Yep. Um, and then your your courses connect to cannabis, uh, mm-hmm. and then it sounds like we have a growing course coming up as well. Mm-hmm. Where can people find you know website, social? What's the yeah. best spot? So I hang on an Instagram
0: a lot, uh, mostly because I can send voice notes on there. And so I love sending voice notes. Um, so at the real Ryan Sprague, S-P-R-A-G-U-E is my last name. Um, that's where I hang out the most. Um, we also have the business account at highly.optimized, where if anything I said today really intrigued you or made you curious, dive onto there. We're constantly giving out free information. Um, we also have a free Facebook community called the, uh, the Ceremony Circle, where mm-hmm. once a week, we're making multiple posts in there, but once a week we're going live, where we have a Zoom call. Anyone can join. I'll riff on a subject and topic that is coming through for me, and then you, anyone who's in there can have an opportunity to ask me whatever's on their mind. We kind of have an off the cuff podcast together. It's super fun. Um, and then I have the two podcasts, uh, this one time on psychedelics, which dives into true firsthand accounts of the experiences, benefits, risks, and transformations taking place within the ever expanding world of plant medicines and the highly optimized podcast, which showcases conscious leaders like yourselves, you were just on there too, yeah. um, that, you know, are living a life on their own terms and the trials and tribulations they've undertaken to live life on their own terms. And then uh, the website, Highly highlyoptimized.com me where you can find out more about the course connect with cannabis which is fantastic so much fun and really gets into a lot of the more um, esoteric teachings of cannabis Mm -hmm. along with the science we say we bridge the science and spirituality of cannabis and also teach people how to facilitate it for those they serve and love in their life and then we have the grow course coming out as well in July which I'm super excited about.
2: And so those are the places you can find me. Guys, wow. I would really encourage you to go follow Ryan. Uh, he is putting out incredible information, content. It's like the most non-salesy thing ever. <laughs> it's really, you can you can take action on it immediately. I've really enjoyed just, just the level, like the, the Himalayan salt under the tongue, for instance. That's yes. That's a you know 60 second or two minute video that Ryan has put out just for free for people. And so give him a follow, give uh, the shows a follow, check out the courses. Uh, you will not regret it it will completely up level your life so
1: yeah slide into his dms and tell him yes. we sent you
2: yeah <laughs> slide on
0: in it's like a slip and slide you know yeah. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so
1: much ryan for being here we are so happy that we know you in this life and we've probably known you and others um yes. feels that way certainly um we are yes. so grateful to you and obviously Can't wait to see you next time and um, you know, hopefully get you back on on the show at some point. Um there's there's so much more to talk about. So we're just scratching the surface with you. So thank you, my friend.
0: Love you, man. I'm so excited. Thank you so much, guys.
1: If you liked this episode, make sure you hit that subscribe button in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you prefer to listen. This will ensure that every episode drops into your library automatically. Also, make sure you're following me on Instagram at Mimi underscore The Medicine. To learn more about our favorite health products, foods, and supplements we discuss on here, along with the discounts, visit themedicine.com forward slash medicine cabinet, or just check the show notes for this episode. Until next time, cheers, boo.